As usual, I'm your host, Michelle, with our co-host, Jamie, here, who's going to do our introduction. So, go ahead, Jamie. Take it away. <laughs> hey, guys. If you want to support us, you can start with monthly donations on Patreon. This will allow us to create engaging content more frequently that can be accessed on more platforms. We will post the link in the description below so that you guys can have access to our website and where to find all of that stuff. Secondly, send us a voice message on Anchor. This is our main platform. This will allow us to hear what you have to say, and you may also be featured on a future episode if you'd like. Lastly, make sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts so our podcast will show up more when people search for us, get us in the top 100, and really just make our podcast more available to our viewers. Yes, and just so you guys know, we are on Instagram. We do Instagram Lives every single day, so definitely check out that live as well. So for today, we've got a really special guest with us. We've got Liz, and she's going to do a little introduction. We are going to be talking about NDEs, and she's kind of the science-y part of that, which we're really excited to have on the show. So Liz, do you want to introduce yourself and kind of talk a little bit about who you are and all that? Sure. Hi everyone, I'm Liz Enton, and I wrote a book called WTF Just Happened, and I also have a podcast with the same name, and I consider myself like a really logical-minded, science-y person, not actually a scientist, but science-y, and kind of how I put the world together, and, you know, I tend to believe people like Stephen Hawking, and I never have considered myself a spiritual person, and I never was raised religious. I was raised an atheist, and I had a death in my family, took a shot in the dark, and decided to see if there could be any scientific evidence of an afterlife. And one thing led to another, and I am absolutely blown away by everything I've learned over the past few years, which is why I wrote the book and podcast. Oh my gosh, that is crazy. So you actually had a death in your family that started all of this? Yes, I did. Um, unfortunately, my dad passed away in like my mid-20s, um, which was, as you can imagine, absolutely earth-shattering. And so I kind of, I guess my very first thought was, and how this whole thing kind of began to come about was, I thought how most of science fiction ends up coming true. You know, if you look at something from, especially now more than ever, I guess we could say, <laughs> with a global pandemic virus, yeah. we all talk to each other on screen. Yeah. But even <laughs> Skype is like the science fiction of, I guess, like 50s or 60s. And so my immediate thought was, what if you could turn back time? I started reading a lot about Einstein and um, time theory of relativity and mm -hmm. realize that you know even something we think is so set in stone like time is really like much not not how we perceive it and and so from there one thing led to another my next thought was um well if our brain produces consciousness to create an experience of being me one time 
and this was my thought process back then, why could a brain not create another experience where I got to experience a life another time, you know, like a second life, not past life in terms of karma or spirituality, but just biologically. Quick Google search on that. Um, found so much stuff with these two child psychiatrists studying cases of kids with past life memories and getting results down the rabbit hole, just one thing after another. And Yeah, you know, I've gone down that so. rabbit hole. I, I have lived in that rabbit hole. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Four so years I feel later. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep, I feel that. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, we studied some of the reincarnation stories. and Gosh, they're crazy. Oh, my gosh, they're so crazy. So that led you into the near-death experiences? Um, yes, that led me into all of it, and some of the, just reading everything I could about evidence of an afterlife, and one of the things I found was I started reading about all these people who had near-death experiences, and my mom's a therapist, and she works with neuroscientists, and once she'd asked him about them, she just had read an article she thought was interesting, and brilliant guy I mean he his immediate response was oh this is a bunch of nonsense trick of the brain and so that's how I was raised so I was like if I'm going to even give this a consideration you know there has to be some real evidence behind it and right yeah I, I agree yeah and so I read so much about near-death experiences it just blew me away oh my god evidential a lot of evidential so let's talk about the basics, just real quick so that everybody kind of is on the same page. What exactly is a near-death experience and what constitutes as a near-death experience exactly? Well, I'll say from everything I know, um, a medical doctor could explain it biologically better than I could, but from what I know is someone is physically dead. You know, their heart stops beating. You know, they're not dead for like a week, but, you know, they're on, in the hospital and mm -hmm. they are biologically dead, you know, trying to be resuscitated. And during that time, they have a very intense conscious aware experience that they share. And, well, I don't know if they share it. I mean, that doesn't make it evidential or not, but or that doesn't make it mean it happened or not. But of the obviously, you know, if the people have come out and started sharing them, or sometimes they'll even hear people coming out now and say, I had this 20 years ago, I never told anybody. So it's yeah, basically sounds like existing in another form of consciousness. Yeah, and, you know, that really sounds amazing honestly <laughs> i feel like a lot of people would want to have a near-death experience but reality is that, like that's really scary my fiance actually had a near-death experience um in 2012 and oh my goodness he he doesn't say anything happened at all and my theory is that it's because he didn't believe in anything i think that if you believe in something something may happen yeah, I, I don't know about that because, like, if something, like, science kind of, it doesn't matter if you believe in it or not. If it's what happens, it's what happens. So I don't know because I'm 
still consider myself an atheist. So I'm like, I hope I don't have to believe in something of something after death. But some theories I have heard is people don't remember or, you know, maybe if it's just out of your brain, just even your ability to process, it might just not even carry over into your mind. I mean, I, but this is all such wild speculation about why some people have them and some don't even you know the medical doctors studying this for years and years have no idea and there actually have been people who believed in nothing who had them or people who believed in an organized religion who had them and it didn't match up to what they would have imagined and that is so cool i think okay i think after hearing that probably is that he does not remember because his memory um oh oh goodness leave something to be desired <laughs> but yeah that definitely makes a lot more sense my gosh I didn't know it was that complicated okay so what's the science behind it you said you're more about the science so what is the science behind it well in all fairness I'm more about like gathering the evidence I to really give the full science behind it I would have to really be a neuroscientist so I more just find stuff that is factual I kind of like to think I'm sort of the person who can explain to people stuff who would never would really believe this and be like I don't know but this really happened now if you want to examine it at a deeper level so some of the stuff I guess I could talk about that's a lot more evidential and also I can revisit one theory since just going back to your I don't remember if you said husband or boyfriend sorry um but about why he might not remember it it's just it's a theory that's put a little bit together about why some people who don't believe anything might not remember, which I can go into. But essentially, in terms of the scientists really worth studying, there's Dr. Sam Parnia, there's Dr. Kenneth Ring, Dr. Bruce Grayson. These are just examples of really serious medical doctors, traditional medical doctors. Dr. Sam Parnia, I believe, was a really well-known cardiologist or successful cardiologist and he had a patient who had a near-death experience and he was so blown away that he thought he absolutely had to study this and since then he has continues to be a traditional doctor yet he set up all these studies in terms of the science itself I mean there's so much varied no one can agree I mean many of the doctors who say this is absolutely not possible describe it as a lack of oxygen causes hallucinations but these don't seem to match up at all with that first of all the level of lack of oxygen the level of the full body stopping as well as the evidence that people get and the types of experiences between when people state those versus the actual near-death experiences are not really comparable so it's just kind so, of all over the place. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, it just seems to be very different, you know? I mean, in terms of, like, they don't specifically know, for example. I mean, they can't say when this chemical leaves the body, this causes this to happen. I mean, I, what I kind of think is we just, my personal take is it seems to be there is something more it really is strong evidence that there is a form of an afterlife and we don't necessarily have the tools within this dimension to exactly have the science that parallels it i agree I mean, with that. Still some, mm -hmm. yeah yeah i agree and, with that yeah 
I mean, that yeah. really is amazing. There definitely is an afterlife, 100%. How can so many people believe in it and it not exist? <laughs> that's one of the things that's baffling to me. I mean, this can't be the mandala effect. It's got to be real. And then you have all these people that have these near-death experiences that are coming back and telling us things that they've seen. And it's so widely, there's so much variety everywhere. And, you know, that some people see Jesus, some people see Buddha, some people see their grandmother or, you know, a child that they had lost years ago. You know, it's just so all over the place. I feel like there's no strong evidence for it, really, but there also is at the same time. There is, because a lot of the ones you were saying are anecdotal, which I do think you really have to take people's anecdotal experiences seriously. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you don't count it as facts, but you listen and compile and, you know, don't automatically dismiss, but... They're ones that are factually evidential, which there's a lot of that, about that I can talk about. Um, for example, and I believe it's Dr. Kenneth Ring who has studied these, but others have talked about it as well. People ha who are blind during their near-death experiences have seen and actually demonstrate seeing. They will describe things visually. Some who have been blind their whole lives and some who have been blind for you know, since they were very little, you know, because if they've been blinded recently, you could obviously say that's them like dreaming and memory and right. missing their sight. Yeah. Yeah. And what I find so mind blowing about that is how they would even know that was the sense of sight, because how, how would you explain that really? Unless it was some other like form of knowing, but they kind of described the experience and said they'd never experienced something like that and understood it was sight and gave evidential facts such as saying this is what happened in the room and that's where it gets mind-blowing in the cases that I think I mean all of them are worth discussing but there's some that just give facts about what happened in the room that or even the next yeah room, I've or, heard about those ones too where, like, a child comes back and starts explaining, yes, yeah, so-and-so and so-and-so were talking in the next room over. And it's... Yeah. Like, what? <laughs> it's insane. And that's where, I guess, like, I would have to say, I don't know where the... You know, what, what can I explain about the science of that that I've read? Because proper neuroscience or science about that would say, when this area of the brain is stimulated... And a person who had never before seen suddenly sees it's because X, Y, Z, and we're doing this experiment. I mean, in a way, it doesn't fully fall into how science is handled. And you can't really do experiments properly. I mean, you can't kill people and bring them back to life. I mean, that's a little too risky, you know? Speaking of which, now that you've brought that up, I haven't watched all of it, but have you seen The OA? I have. I love that show. So I've, I've, all, I've got through season one and not through season two, but I love the dimension kind of theory. And for those of you who don't know, the OA is a story about a woman who she calls herself the OA, and she basically is captured by this man who is so fascinated by NDEs, he, he takes them and kills them and brings them back several times to see what's going on. And they go into another dimension, and it's crazy. What are your thoughts on that movie? Like, 
I, I, I was just blown away, like, holy crap, well, it's a TV show, but what are your thoughts on that? Oh my god, and this comes from having seen all of them, into, you know, through all of season two. I mean, I think, theoretically, it's fascinating, and I think there's a lot of truth to science fiction. Um, I mean, it has, like, there's one episode where they show, like, plants communicating just sort of very beautifully underground, and I think there's a lot more... I think it captures a lot of truth. And I mean, there's some fantasy to it too, but yeah, I mean, I think it does capture a lot of essence of truth. I I really like the show. I like how it's shot. I really like how the storyline flows, but more importantly, I feel like it brings to the table a, a portion of NDEs that nobody really talks about. And, and that's just how you you can go there, gain knowledge, come back, and then start expressing that knowledge, and people think you're crazy. Right. So many that I read, they say things like, some doctors will be like, oh, you were just hallucinating, or mm-hmm. people will say their, you know, mother or husband will be like, never talk about that again. And there's a lot of shaming about it. I mean, I think our world has gotten better about that. And now with Internet, you know, I mean, some of these stories happened like 50 years ago. With Internet, there's online communities where people can actually read a lot about NDEs. I can send you some of the links if you want to put them in notes. I can't remember them offhand. But there's like, and you can just get lost reading them for hours. And it's just, yeah. And most importantly, I mean, like, some of my favorite stories, I mean, some are kind of funny, some of the stories you hear, but they're evidential. I mean, and some are beautiful. Like, one of the two I actually think are really funny is, you know, one guy was rushed in. I don't remember for what. I believe it was cardiac arrest. They basically were getting ready to operate on him or do something. And he said he floated out of his body. And in these situations, you know, he's, like, flatlined, you know, they basically were like, we've lost him. And he saw the doctor. He's like, what's going on? Why is the doctor flapping his arms like a chicken? That's so weird. He looks like he's trying to fly. <laughs> and, you know, his eyes are closed. But here he is. He says he's floating above and sees this and looks and thinks it's the weirdest thing. <laughs> so when he comes to the do- he asks the doctor. He's like, I just had the weirdest experience. And I swear, you looked like you were pretending you were a chicken or a bird. And apparently what the doctor would do the to- is he would, disin- after washing and disinfecting his hands and gloves, which I think things we're all too familiar with at this stage of life right now. Right. Um, Everyone's doing this now. <laughs> everyone, yes. Um, he would put his hands under his armpits because he thought that kept them more sanitary than if he was actually touching things. Until he actually began the surgery. So anytime he needed to like point to somebody or point to something, he would point with his elbows. And that was just what he always did. Oh, that's funny. Can you imagine being that doctor? Just being like, my patient just asked me this random ass question he could have fucking known about. (laughs) I know, right? Oh my God, that's funny. What's the other funny one that you know of? Another funny one I read somewhere is that, you know, and this is not at all to knock the doctor. They were like way, you know, doctors are so way overworked. So, yes, 
poor doctor. I don't know if it was a man or a woman. I don't remember. But so they had been working like round the clock emergency room. And this one patient basically passed away and they brought in the meal for the patient. Like, and then, you know, the patient, uh, I guess, passed away like right after the meal or, you know, it was pretty instantaneous. And the doctor was starving and gobbled the meal. And then the patient had NDE and then he comes back. And ask the doctor, why did you eat my sandwich? <laughs> oh, that is hilarious. Oh, my gosh. So when you think in he was what? Well, he was teasing the doctor because he said he, you know, basically floats out of his body, you know, sees the whole room, has a panorama view of the area, and sees the doctor just start eating all his food. And so the doctor was mortified. <laughs> Just what the fuck, man? Oh, that's funny. I think that's really funny because when you think NDEs, you don't usually think, like, funny or humorous or anything like that. But I think bringing the humor into it just makes them more of a person and less of a statistic, less of a, you know... It's not necessarily depressing and sad every single time that this happens, which I think yeah. is really interesting. And I think it's important to to give that person, you know, the humanity behind this whole situation. This It's kind of tragic in a way, you know, dying and coming back. That's not fun, you know. <laughs> but I think that that's important I, to share. I would love to die and come back if it was a good experience like that, personally, because that actually one of the things, I mean, many, one thing that's very interesting, evidentially, and some of the NDEs are more emotional and beautiful, yeah. and those few I told you are really funny, um, is that people tend to come back, and they no longer have a fear of death. They're 100% sure there's an afterlife, most of them. Mm-hmm. Um, they say they no longer fear death. They all say it's really comfortable, just kind of like, walking into another room as some have even said and there's this kind of consistency about how they're profoundly changed and fairly quickly i mean some unfortunate things a lot get divorced a lot kind of really realize what they were living for is not like what they were meant to do really or their values change but their values tend to change for the better right they're a lot less materialistic a Mm -hmm. lot more love-based and helping others and I just think like an experience that transforms you like that has got to be so I mean it's so profound there's got to be some validity to it and you could say if it was people who had them after long illnesses that they were basically told were fatal that you know the joy of getting healed could change you so sure but people who had them instantaneously when you know in an accident or you know heart attack they haven't been living in agony for years for you know months years however long and then yeah. just overjoyed at the second chance so in that you know yet they all whether you, you have one after a long illness or whether you have one after just instantaneously when you, you thought everything was fine five minutes before um you know you you still have the same result, so that makes me think there's, you know, really something to it. Right. There's some. There's some hope. There's something back there, and I like that. I like that a lot. I like 
you know, thinking that there's an afterlife, thinking there's, there's something there, there's something behind that door, but, you know, not being able to quite reach it yet, you know. And I love, I, I don't know, I just love the idea of living for love and being less materialistic and that kind of, that's kind of the kind of crap that I strive for. And now since, you know, COVID, I'm broke, I have to strive for that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I feel like we all now need to learn from the NDEs because they've been there and they understand. <laughs> but yeah, I've heard yes. of these Facebook groups, a, a community where NDEs can kind of get together and they can share their stories and they can they can be heard. And I think that's the big thing is being heard and not being told, hey, you're crazy. You know, because if you look at the OA, she was told she's crazy constantly. You know, constantly. Right. And it got to the point, she wouldn't even talk to anybody because she's like, you just go and think I'm crazy. Right. Oh, my God. What You have to watch season two and then tell me because it's it, it, when you put them all together, it's very fascinating. It even goes a little deeper past NDEs into, like, what's the nature of consciousness and reality and oh i love stuff like that (laughs) guys i don't recommend things much but the oa definitely worth a watch my gosh i was binging it one night i couldn't sleep it was yeah so another question i have is how common are ndes in reality i don't know um To answer that, I'd want to give a really factual percent and statistics, so that's totally Googleable. I don't know. Interesting. Super common, but there's, you know, they're not super common, but there's so many more people who have them than anyone has realized. And we, there's hope, and they seem to be happening more, like statistically they're happening more frequently and they think more and more so as medical equipment gets better medical techniques i mean if someone had a heart attack or you know terminal cancer all the diseases and or accidents you know 100 years ago that was it and now our equipment i mean even every few years the medical world is getting better and better at bringing people back the more far gone they are so i think the more we're able to do that, the more information we'll get, and the better, the more NDEs will become more frequent. Interesting. That is really fascinating. And then that also begs the question of, is that ethical? You know, the more far back that somebody is able to be reached and brought back, is that ethical to bring them back, or is it more ethical to let them go? That's really interesting. And we discussed that a lot in my gerontology class as well. Um, so another question that I have since apparently they are fairly common. that I mean, that is really interesting. So, I mean, I was recently diagnosed with a, a chronic illness that they're like, they're thinking that this is a rare illness and they're like, oh, this is more common now that we have more technology. It's kind of similar to that. That's really fascinating. So are NDEs more common amongst women, children, men? Is there any statistics for that or is it kind of anyone? From what I know, it's anyone. There okay. isn't much statistics about one group more than another. Interesting. So, you, you know, we talked about some of the funny stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that there are a couple of, like, kind of scary, terrorizing ones. What does that look like? Because I'm having a hard time 
picturing that. Yeah, um, I haven't read as much in depth about those, but from what I, the ones I have read in general, it's just almost the reverse of the ones where people feel embraced and loved. Like someone will feel like frightened and alone and scared in a really dark realm. Um, and that's a much smaller percent. Mm-hmm. It's maybe like, I, I did read, I think it was something like 5%, but some people do have dark and scary, frightening NDEs. Um, I, I don't know why. No one knows why. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't seem belief-based okay. any more than the other, than positive NDEs are belief-based. If I could speculate, and again, this is complete hypothetical speculation, it's just kind of like when you go anywhere, sometimes you might, like, let's say you fly to a new city. It doesn't mean your whole time there is going to be horrible and it's a whole horrible domain, you know, whole horrible location. It's just maybe you arrive and it's really spooky and you arrive in, like, a bad spot, you know? Interesting. So, Interesting. Yeah. I wonder if it's possible think... for someone in one of those more, I don't know, scary situations to travel or to kind of find their way out of that. Do you think, and this is once again speculation, kind of all we can do here, um, but do you think it has anything to do with maybe that person didn't act the best in their life and, you know, maybe it's something like that. Were these people changed to kind of be more loving and be more non-materialistic and more love-based like the other ones were or... No, and interestingly, it doesn't seem to have anything to do with whether they were good people or not. It it seems completely random. Um, maybe it is random, maybe it isn't. The only thing that gave me sort of the hint to what I was saying before is that somebody, I think, when they were so scared, they, like, screamed for their grandma or someone, and then I think one did believe in God and screamed for God and then, like, found themselves in suddenly, like, safe and in a loving place and interesting now it, yeah and now i'm gonna get super speculative but okay. so do you guys know like the split particle experiment and quantum entanglement and um you know the split particle experiment where if you know it was done by einstein it's one of the craziest things one of the first things i read but basically if you they it's hard to explain. Google it because you will. There are people who explain it better than me. But essentially, that the scientists were trying to figure out if the if these light rays were behaving as particles. They they opened two slits and they wanted to see if sending like the photons through them, if they'd behave as a particle going through just one of the slits and causing dots or a wave and kind of splitting going through the two. And so they noticed when no one was observing, the outcome would be like them a wave going through both. And when someone was observing, it behaved like a particle and would choose which slit to go through. That is strange. So crazy. And that's one of the reasons I can't fully explain it because I've watched like the little like YouTube's on it 50 times and it still doesn't fully register. So... It shows from the most like scientific experiments to actually how we are as people 
you know, sometimes we have really bad days. Like our consciousness and our state of mind affects reality. Who knows? You know, sometimes you don't know why. Sometimes you just have a bad day, you know, and you, you, it's not related to something like you broke up with your boyfriend or, you know, you found out someone was sick. Some days you just feel grouchy and sad. Yep. And yep. so I, yeah. I you feel know, like the of, days that I wake up grouchy and sad affect that day and the outcome of that yeah. day. <laughs> right. Exactly. And that's on the smaller scale to bigger scale. Like you take an angry person who's like, everyone screws me over. Everyone's a mean person. Well, then they put that out there. That's probably how they treat others. And yeah, they, that sort of becomes self-fulfilling. And then you take a lovely person who's just so full of love. They tend to attract kind, loving people. And the two people could be living in the same neighborhood, same city, mm-hmm. you know, and they could just describe the people around them and the experience a hundred percent differently. So I think there's both types of consciousness and experiences out there. And Perfectly decent people could probably get sucked in in that moment, just like you could, you know, have a bad day. And it doesn't mean that's going to be the entire conscious experience for them for the next, like, hundred years or something. It's right. Just, okay. And, and this is so speculative, you know, this is right. so pure philosophy. And, and I feel like we're getting a glimpse, you know, we're getting a small snapshot of what the other side is like. We're not getting the full gamut. You know, just a small snapshot. No, I don't think we could either. Could get the full gamut because, um, you know, I mean, I think it'd be similar. Like we are three-dimensional creatures. I think it would be similar to being like describe consciousness in the sixth dimension, fifth dimension, tenth dimension. Describe a color you've never seen. Like I don't think we experience it. I don't think we could either. But then you take two individual people again. Like, think of, like, some people in the world right now who are just, like, really mean people causing a lot of damage. I'm sure we could all name one right now off the top of our heads. Yeah. And she's like, yeah, we'll stay away from that. But I'm, we're probably thinking of the same person. <laughs> Someone who's, like, dedicates their life to, like, volunteering and helping and mm-hmm. giving. And... Like, if you were to ask them, let's say, like, they were taken to, like, an al- they were, like, we found, you know, like, alien life in outer space, and which I do think there definitely are, there's life on other planets. Oh, for sure, yes. Yeah. And one of them was sent to represent what are the values of human experience. Well, each of them would discuss, like, ex- they would give a 100% different description of what it means to be a human or even take like a nice person in like really unfortunate circumstances, you know, just born into poverty, never given an opportunity, abusive family. Like every one of those three people would describe what human existence is like in completely different ways. And to the point where the aliens might think they were from different different planets. planets. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. I feel like, you know, your experience here on this planet really depends on, like, who you are, and mm-hmm. it depends on your outlook on life, and but it also depends on environmental factors as well. And that's a really interesting theory. Um, we, we discuss this a lot in my philosophy class, you know, is a serial killer born a serial killer, or 
or do they just become that because of their environment, you know? And I right. feel like that also plays a part into this as well. So there's just, yeah. there's so much that goes into it. I feel like it's so complicated and it's too complicated to comprehend. And I think that when you have that bag of marbles and you start saying, okay, reach for a specific kind of marble, like you're going to have a really hard time finding that marble. The probability is just too high. You know, it's just, it's so crazy to be able to sit there and think, wow, you know, these two people can have such different experiences and yet still live in the same neighborhood, same town, same, you know. So it's just so interesting. Yeah, it's so baffling. Like, you'll even hear of stories um, of people from the same family. You know, you'll hear of, like, a really abusive family, and then there'll be, like, three kids, and two of them, you hear, like, end up in jail, abuse their children, and then one somehow makes it out as, like, the most loving person. And there's just, like, how do you explain that? And I think... Yeah. Like, yeah. And if the afterlife is just another form of consciousness... I think that is really interesting, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. like, why would, you know, there not be very, lots of different experiences? Like, I I know some say it's only love on the other side. Like, I have a hard time believing that, because it's not only love here. I think that's probably our goal in the ideal energy, and we all, maybe we're all trying to grow towards that. Mm -hmm. Is that the only? energy no way or we wouldn't have like that's my i mean again this is all hypothetical there isn't data but (laughs) i wish we could have data for emotions that would be so wonderful be able to statistically explain all the emotions that we're feeling and be on with some of them (laughs) but exactly so a lot of people don't know this about me but when i was young i actually did die when i was born Um, my mom had a complicated pregnancy, all this crazy stuff. So I've heard that children who go through that and, you know, they come back when they're born, they're more empathetic, they're more caring, they're more loving, they're more, you know what I mean? Kind of like what you were describing. And I think it's really interesting because my mom, when I was little, she described me as one of the weirdest kids on the planet like I would constantly be like can I help you clean something do you want me to do the dishes I can vacuum do you want me to help you watch the other kids I mean she's like that's very strange for you to have those behaviors most children that age and this is going off of like Piaget's like theory of like childhood development they're usually very self-centered and like it's all about me I want the Barbie you know of course, I remember being pretty selfish at that age, you know, as were my friends, and you learn, and you get socialized, yeah. and that's so fascinating, and you sound like you were not only, like, really extra thinking of others, you also sound like you were very much more mature, and it sounds like, from what I've heard, kids that have had NDEs are much more mature. Do you feel you have any memories of the NDE, like, sort of memories that maybe you feel like I don't know, just in some way could be attributed to remembering it? I have no idea. I What I can say is I've been trying to do a little bit of past life work to kind of figure out, you know, what's going on and everything like that. But what I can say is I have had this strange, like, 
fascination, and I don't know what it is, but it's this weird fascination and fixation on, like, water. I think it's so sad because I'm in Colorado and I'm in a landlocked state. <laughs> but every time I can go to the beach, I am about the water, near the water, something about the water. I don't know what it is, but there's something about it that just transfixes me every single time. And from a really young age, when I was a kid, I would draw all the time. And I'm an artist now. I've got some of my art up on the, uh, you know, our Instagram. Go check out our Instagram. Um, but I've got some of the art up there. And most of it has to do with water. And I didn't plan that. It just, it does. That's interesting. I love that. Yeah. And they say sometimes, like, when you're doing art, like, you're going to a meditative, meditative state and connecting with, like, parts of your unconscious, mm -hmm. and your NDE would probably be stored in, like, unconscious memories. 100%. And I can tell you, I didn't come from the best home either. Um, there was kind of some abuse and stuff like that going on, and that's actually in another podcast that... Um, you know, we talked to, we talked about it in another podcast, but anyway, so I didn't exactly come from the best home either. My brother is very, hates the world, mad, angry, all sorts of issues, you know, we, we don't really talk anymore because he's, you know, so stuck in this way, and I'm more like, okay, let's try and spread some love, a little more joy, and let's, let's be a little more outgoing and outspoken and that's why I kind of started this podcast to bring some light and shed some light to a world that doesn't have a lot of light right wow and that's I'm sorry you deal with that with your brother and that's also interesting it kind of ties into what we were saying that people can come from the exact same family yeah and there you have I mean it sounds like you two are polar opposites very <laughs> very much and you know I try and talk with him and whatnot but you know it is what it is at the end of the day and I, I do I do love him but we just we are so different and we came from the same family yet we can both describe our mom and dad so differently so differently and it's it's really interesting some of the stuff that um, you know, you kind of find out with the NDEs and then, you know, how I died. And I, I am also an empath. I do strongly believe that I'm an empath as well because of a lot of this stuff. Um, but, yeah, it's really fascinating. And my fiancé, he had passed in uh, 2012 and then he came back. But he doesn't remember anything. <laughs> I don't think he remembers it. He says it was just black. Is he different in any way since yes. then? Um, I didn't know him in 2012, but I've talked to his mom and his dad extensively about this, and he is a completely different person than he used to be. I mean, for they, you know, some people don't remember their dreams at all. But you have to dream, like mentally. And I'll meet people who say they don't dream, but that's biologically impossible you would actually from what I heard I forget all the details but essentially you would lose your mind and pass away pretty quickly if you never dreamed yeah um and because you're it's biologically impossible so I I mean and I also find it very interesting that you two ended up together when mm -hmm. both of you had that so maybe he had something he does not remember 
I think it's really interesting, too, because when I was younger, when I was in high school, you know, I was taught the Christian word all the time and in the Bible somewhere, I don't know where, I'm sorry, but it says like, you know, everybody has a soulmate, you know, somebody is always made for somebody else. And I was always wandering around like, you know, what if my person committed suicide? You know, what happens to those people? What happens to those souls? Do they get to find their soulmate too? And that was always what I had thought about. And sure enough, you know, I ended up with Brandon who did in 2012. So I just, it's really interesting how some things are kind of. Oh, he, he yeah. tried to commit mm-hmm. suicide. Wow. Yeah, it was, it's interesting. I just think it's really interesting how all this stuff kind of lines up in that way. That is fascinating. And he came back, I mean, uh, much more healed from the who he was when he was in the state where he felt or was it years of therapy? I mean, how did he overcome that level of pain? If that's not too personal, from what I from what I hear, he spent a lot of time with his parents, and he spent a lot of time with people in general. Beforehand, he was really like reclusive and not really, you know, hanging out with his parents or anything like that. Um, and then when I came into the picture and I started talking to his parents about the situation, and everything like that, like they're like, we can't imagine him with a house. <laughs> We can't imagine him getting married, which we're getting married in October, on October 5th. They can't imagine all that stuff for him, yet he's getting it. He has it. He's getting there. You know what I mean? Like, he went from not being able to use a fork, not being able to turn on his computer. he's He's a freaking computer engineer now, and he's, like, teaching me all this stuff about, like, the computer and the web and I just thought it was magic every time you connected to the internet no he can explain it on all of this clarity it's like okay okay <laughs> so that is fascinating yeah and when you say like not able to turn on a computer that was from his depression or was he physiologically physically after his suicide attempt he Did couldn't he- remember he didn't know hmm So a lot of this stuff, like, he could physically do the things. The only thing he couldn't physically do was walk. He could physically do the things, but he didn't know. He didn't understand, oh, you have to pick up the fork like this. You have to hold the spoon like this or your cereal will fall, you know? Right. now he's explaining, you know, IPv6 and IPv4 and, oh, my God, everything. That is fascinating. Yeah. And... and sounds like he's found life joy again because obviously to you know have someone get to the state where they want to take their own lives there's you know really a level of you know like lack of joy in life to say the least yeah he he i mean we've what we've talked about it and he has a diary that he is like you can read it whenever but i'm like "Mm." No, <laughs> I don't want to read about the times when you were super depressed and upset and stuff like that. But he's so happy now. I mean, we have a pet bird. We've, we've, we're really building our life together. And he is, you know, he tells me every day, you know, I'm so happy. And, you know, it's, it's great. But to get to that state and then to get to this, it's like polar opposite. And the person he used to be before, like his parents were like, he's, he's never going to get anywhere like this. And then he comes back. He's not as selfish He's he's more about love and joy and happiness 
and he's wow. not as materialistic, which I think is really interesting. He used to not be like these ways, and he is now. What well, I mean, and this is, again, I always like to do disclaimers that this is purely speculative, but it's almost like, if we're going to get really just like, use our imagination here and not science. Um, it's almost like I, if someone had committed suicide and went to the other side, I could see them all, you know, maybe wanting to wipe their mind of how wonderful it is there, the experience, so they could be present in the material world and be like, okay, you, let's like go over what made you do this. This is, you know, you are, can fight to get yourself better and have a life. But, you know, if they're already drawn kind of to suicide, you know, I mean, it's different for different people because I have read people who remember their NDEs after suicide, but, you know, maybe in his case, they were just like, you need to really now learn to be present in the material world and what it has to offer if you were that suicide in it. It could very much be that. And I could see that for him. (laughs) I mean, he's not much of a planner. He can't plan very well. He's got stuff he's got to work on. But at the end of the day... We all do. Yeah, we all do. But, like, he's taught me how to meditate, how to love, how to care (laughs) more. I mean, he, from what I've heard from his parents, he was a very narcissistic person. Very narcissistic. And now he's bringing me soup when I'm not feeling well and, like, really caring for me and, like, talking about, the, you know, like, hey, how are you feeling? What's it? My dad's narcissistic, so I'm kind of used to that narcissistic side of things. And he's not like that anymore. And he's, I feel like he's got a lot more empathy in him than he gives credit for. If that makes sense. I, that's, I find it such a beautiful story. And, you know, I mean, his family must be so happy. He must be so happy i mean it just sounds like a yeah like a transformation like the kind that you have when you have ndes and that would actually be an interesting study to compare people who had passed away and came back with people who have ndes that they definitely remember and see the extent to which there's a difference in transformation i think it's really interesting too because he doesn't remember the um he doesn't remember what happened but he remembers the feelings. He remembers feeling the things and going through the pain and all of that. But he doesn't remember exactly everything that had happened. So I find that really fascinating, too. And I think coming from that, you know, he... You know, I, it would make sense why he wouldn't remember things in, in the... You know, when he had passed... It would make sense why maybe he did have an experience. And who knows, maybe when you're sitting there for five minutes, you know, on the table blue coating or something, that's like two years or an eternity in the other realm, you know? Right, I know. Because, like, with time being so relative, you know, like, did you see the movie Contact? I know it's a slightly older movie, but I just saw it, and I thought it did an interesting job of sort of explaining the difference of time in different realms. I don't know if you saw that. No, I haven't, but I'm definitely interested in in time. I watch a lot of Doctor Who, so you know, time is definitely relative in Doctor Who, and it has a lot of really interesting facets in that show. (laughs) 
I've actually never watched it, so I'll have to watch that. I know it's like a classic. I definitely recommend New Who rather than Classic, and I know I'm going to get a lot of hate for that, but New Who's better. Okay. Oh, I didn't even know there was a new one, too. Okay. I have never watched either, so I will... I'll definitely watch it because I find the whole, you know, difference of time. But, yeah, but I don't want to give away contact if people haven't seen it. But it's fascinating. It's worth seeing. And it really, you know, it shows. And then the other, there was another movie that I thought really showed that. And I bet, I think there is a lot of that. With In NDEs, they find just how irrelevant time and space are. Like, you know, they can know things happening equally here, two conversations in two different places. And I feel like a lot of growth happens and people will have life reviews and yeah and only a few minutes have passed and the other movie it's it's another space travel one i can't believe i'm forgetting the name um oh it was it was like big maybe like four or five years ago but it yeah it shows the relativity of time and that like 50 yeah. years can pass in one dimension where it's like one year in another yeah, and I think that that is a really fascinating thing that we just, I don't know, I feel like it's something that's kind of overlooked a lot. A lot of people don't think about how time is relative. And even here in this dimension, in this plane, you know, time moves faster if you're in an airplane, for example, versus down here on the right. ground. Because gravity does have an effect. We don't understand that effect, but it does. <laughs> right, which is so fascinating. And, you know... The twin, you know, the Einstein's, like, twin theory, you know, or twin mind experiment where one twin stays on Earth and the other is sent into outer space at close to the speed of light, you know, and when the twin on Earth ages significantly faster. Yeah, it's really fascinating, all this stuff. You guys should definitely look up some of these things because it's, it's crazy. Some of the stuff that Einstein theorized about, it's nuts. <laughs> I know I had to take an astrology class, and my God, his theory of relativity blew me away. His theory on time and how time works and just how the planets work. It was, I was just, oh my goodness. <laughs> we could theorize all day about this. I know, I know. It's, it's just like your mind can't fully wrap it around it, you know, and I... I do think it seems like time is really different when people have NDEs or OBEs, out-of-body experiences, mm -hmm. which I guess is the, safe, the safest way you can have close to an NDE. Although, you know, I don't know if they're ever as intense as an NDE. I don't know. I feel like it's safe within, within reason. I tried to have an OBE and I got myself really sick, so be really careful. <laughs> Oh my god, I did not know that. I always try to have them. What happened if, I don't know, if, like you've already told your audience, but if not, what happened? So I ha No, I haven't told my audience yet, but so what ended up happening was I was mixing together a couple of things, and I was like, I, I really want to have, you know, astro projection. Astro projection is basically an out-of-body experience, is what you want to do, but you do it while you're sleeping, and you have to make sure that you tether yourself to something. Um, spiritually so you have like a smell or you know if you really like lavender have lavender by your bed so that you can smell it or something so you can get back to your body because I do believe in some ways that's how comas are started <laughs> or happen you know just like somebody's in a coma because 
you know, I think it's because they had an out-of-body experience, didn't tether themselves properly, and that happened. So what ended up happening was I didn't have an out-of-body experience, but I didn't center myself, and I didn't work with my root chakra, and so I got really bad vertigo, um, and I've had vertigo for about five months now, and I think it's because I tried to do that, and I didn't work with my root chakra very well. So how to be oh irresponsible, God. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Wow. I don't know. I try to have them all the time and I feel like I, I have not done all the responsible stuff. I just try to like do all the energy exercises I've read to do them. And I have felt myself like I feel like as if my physical like nerve endings, I guess is the best way to describe it, are like a few feet above my body. But I haven't had like some transformational or evidential experience. My recommendation is just don't try so hard. Let it come. Let it happen. That's what I've learned. Interesting. If it's going to happen, okay. it's going to happen. If it's not going to happen, she's not going to happen today. You know? Just okay. like when you go like into that. the store and you're trying to get some toilet paper, either it's going to happen today or it's not. <laughs> well, you can get toilet paper now. Toilet paper is back. Well, I mean, it is back, but sometimes, <laughs> at least at my King Super, sometimes it's not. <laughs> Oh no! I know we still have I some think... empty shelves. It's I feel like they're working on it. <laughs> yeah, we have like full shelves of toilet paper now. But um, oh, I'd ordered does. a bunch online when I, there was like a shortage and we couldn't get it anywhere. So I still haven't even had to buy. But I keep looking and I'm like, ah, okay, there's toilet paper when I need it. <laughs> yeah, but just make sure you know. That that just open your mind to it. Let it let it know that you don't need it to happen, but you do want it to happen. I would suggest doing some root chakra workings. So, yeah, and we may have some future episodes on the chakras. Really excited for those. So yay! Anyway, well, I think I'll listen to those. I think that's all the time we have for this episode. <laughs> Great. Well. Thank you so much for having me on. It yeah. Conversation. Oh, I love talking to people. I love having guests on the show, and I know our audience loves it too. We love to talk about pretty much anything and everything, and I think NDEs are one of the most interesting topics that we've had. So without further ado, yeah. bye, guys, and we will see you guys next week. <laughs>